Well, let's go to Fort Worth and talk with Jeremy Clark, hornfrogblitz.com. Great to have him on the program. I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. And before we get to Jeremy, hey, guys, I know a lot of you haven't yet. Please take a minute out. Leave us that rating, review, subscribe. We'll send you a free koozie if you do it. Just shoot me an email, a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. I'll get the HCS koozie in the mail for you. So it would mean the world to me. It takes two seconds. It helps us a lot as we continue to build this thing. And um, thank you so much for doing that. All right, Jeremy, uh, signing period this week. Take us through TCU coming off of a couple of disappointing seasons, but where Gary Patterson and this Horn Frog team is after the signing period, which of course doesn't have the drama it used to have with the early signing period. But where is this program right now? Yeah, the early signing period kind of takes away the luster of the the February signing day. Now everyone gets signed up in December, and for TCU, they only signed three additional players for the class. But I'm really impressed, Pete, with the way they finished this class. For them to go five and seven last year, they're still ranked in the top thirty, and they've even got a kid right now that's part of the signing class that was originally a 2019 kid, Jaquay Sorrells, a four-star that signed uh, with South Carolina last year, but he didn't end up going making it to South Carolina, so he just kind of sat out, and now he's at TCU. He enrolled early. He's over, over there on campus, and if he was included in this class, TCU would have a top 25 class. As far as offensively, it, it is just, uh, just crazy how well they finished. They signed – uh, two of the two of the top five recruits they've ever signed in the Gary Patterson era, with Quentin Johnston, four-star receiver out of Temple, Texas, and Garrett Hayes, a four-star offensive lineman out of uh, Athens, Texas. But the way they struggled offensively this year, everyone's clamoring for people to get fired and everything else, and they struggled offensively. If you look at their recruiting class in general, their top prospects are all offensive guys, and that's just a testament to how well these coaches finished out uh, recruiting these kids. So, Jeremy, you know, you mentioned where this program is, and you mentioned the disappointing season of 2019, but the solid recruiting class. It feels like an interesting point in Gary Patterson's tenure. I mean, he's as safe as any coach in America. What he's done there is absolutely incredible. Incredible. But I think about this year, along with the transition of the Big 12, as a chance to say, okay, it's now been two years in a row of uh, relative mediocrity. How does this thing get back on track, and where do you think that starts? Well, it's going to start offensively. You had some changes uh, to the offensive staff. Yet some guys leave. Uh, Looper goes to Missouri. Chris Thompson's at Florida State now. But you bring in Doug Meacham, and every TC fan remembers Doug Meacham when he was here in uh, 2014 through 2016. He was kind of part of that whole revitalization of TCU's offense where they went from basically one of the worst offenses in the Big 12 to the top. And he's going to come back and, and coach the inside receivers and, and be kind of a passing game coordinator. He'll have some influence on, on the type of plays they run, but I think as far as the, the best thing he could do is just getting some of that, that passing game more organized, and that's something that if you watched TCU games last year, a lot of drop passes, a lot of bad routes, and that's something I think he can get fixed. Uh, they brought in a new running backs coach in Colorado, Colorado State, Barry Applewhite. He's got good recruiting ties to Texas and, and uh, Louisiana, and he's done well coaching some of those running backs up at Colorado State. He doesn't always get the biggest names up there, but he was able to get those guys to over 1,000 yards rushing in, in each of those years he was there. And probably the biggest improvement for them offensively, Pete, is them bringing in Jerry Kill. 
Yeah. And Jerry's not going to be one of those 10 assistant positions that you typically see on the field. He's going to be more of a special assistant to the head coach, kind of like he was up at Virginia Tech. And basically he's going to be the offensive guy. He's going to be overseeing the uh, the, the play calling, the the uh, the personnel where players are lining up. Uh, he Basically everything that has to do with the offense, it's going to be him. And he's going to report back to Gary Patterson. And that, I think that's going to be a, a great boost for them because last year you had Gary trying to get involved in the offense. It didn't really work, and now he's got his best bud, Jerry Kill, overseeing the offense, and I think that's going to help out tremendously. Jeremy, what does this all mean then for Sonny Cumbie? I mean, it's it's hard to be sitting in his shoes with all the criticism he's taken and some of the new faces or old faces around him and not think that there is going to be behind the scenes a little bit of uh, drama then in this room. How does this play out for Sonny Cumbie? Well, that's another good reason why you have Jerry Kill there to kind of mediate everything, I guess you could say, because it, it's no secret there there was some rumors about some animosity between uh, he and Doug Meacham back in the day, and yeah. it seems that all those things have been squashed. But it, it is uh, it is interesting to watch and from everything I've been told that he is still going to be the offensive play caller, and, and there's obviously going to be people watching them. I mean, there's going to be some cases where they're going to say, you know, why would you call this certain play or why are you using this certain personnel? So it's going to be uh, kind of more of an, an involvement for him uh, with someone looking over his shoulder, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. It was kind of like when they had Sonny Dykes over there in, in 2018. They kind of had him as kind of a, a, a consultant that could help out the offense, and I think that helped out helped out Sonny Combe pretty good being that that 2018 was his first year really to call plays but uh it 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 will be interesting it's it's never fun to have have that kind of worry while you're trying to do a job but uh, i think it's going to end up helping sunny in the long run jeremy clark's joining us publisher for hornfrogblitz.com on the uh, 247 sports network always great to have him on and talk a little tcu with him here for a few minutes so max duggan it gets done with the freshman year and when you look back on 2019 and what's to come in 2020, do you believe, Jeremy, that Gary Patterson thinks he has his, and I use this term, obviously, it's more of a pro term, but his franchise guy that can help this team and this program win or compete for a Big 12 title? I think so. If you look at last year, Max started off the year pretty good. He didn't make a lot of freshman mistakes and didn't turn the ball over. And obviously, toward the end part, the latter part of the year, he was – turning the ball over he was I think he was trying to do too much later in the year as they were trying to get bowl eligible mm-hmm. uh, but with with Max he is such a mature player he he really plays beyond his years he's if you if you talk to him and you inter- interact with him he is he does not come off as a kid that's 18 years old he he's got a lot of respect from his teammates uh, the guys that always around him in the huddle talk about what kind of leadership skills he has. He just has certain composure about him where he's just going to try to win at all costs. And I think that's really something that rallies the team behind him and it gets the the coaches kind of uh, pumped up to see what he can do in in the next few years. But it it was a pretty promising start. Did he lead to a a bowl season? No, but he did throw for over 2,000 yards and he rushed for almost 600. So you, you like that coming from a young quarterback uh, especially for an offense that relies on a quarterback that can throw and can run. And he showed flashes last year that I think uh, will will give people, 
I guess you can say some some hope that he turns it around and, and leads them to more wins this year. But I, I definitely think that he's the right quarterback for the job. And if you go back in, in, in history and look at the way TCU has developed quarterbacks, there's Andy Dalton struggled tremendously when he was young. Trevon Boykin struggled tremendously when he was young. Same thing with Kenny Hill, 2016. Kenny Hill was not very good, but 2017 – he improved dramatically and led TCU to the Big 12 championship title game. So that's kind of what you're hoping for with Max. Get that rust off his freshman year, learn from his mistakes, play uh, play against older players, and then by the time he's a sophomore heading into 2020, he's more relaxed and, and, and can make some of those plays he wasn't able to last year. Jeremy, let's uh, look at this team in comparison to the rest of the Big 12. You know, they're a couple of years removed from playing in that Big 12 championship game, and since then, TCU's had a couple of average seasons. While Baylor has gone from 1-11 and 11 to a Big 12 appearance, Big 12 championship game appearance of its own, I, you know, I know that TCU, one of its big rivals, they don't like to see that kind of success. So how much more salt in the wound has there been over the past couple of seasons considering what Matt Rule just got done doing at Baylor? Well, it's tough for you know, my side. I see it all the time from, from fans that are really just kind of down in the dumps with how well Baylor's done, not only in football, but they've done well in basketball and for men and women sports. And, and, and obviously they did good in volleyball. But I, I think that's just a tremendous job by Matt Rule and his staff. And, and the thing about Baylor was this year, if you look at where they started, a lot of those guys were – were part of that 1-11 and team that they had that first year. They got experience as younger players. The next year they improved. I think they finished uh, six or seven wins. And then this year they're, they're dealing with an older team. I think nine guys that were on this year's roster uh, were either juniors or seniors. So anytime you have a – especially on defense, anytime you have that many guys on defense that are older players, you're going to do well. And no matter how bad – TCU looked this year as far as going five and seven. They were still in a lot of these ball games. I think they were one and five or one and six. I don't have it right in front of me in games that were decided by a touchdown or less. Mm-hmm. And so it, they were very close. It reminds me a lot of the way they played in 2013 when they went four and eight, but they lost a total of five of those games by 11 points. I mean, they were they were extremely close in a lot of those games and. This season, they have some guys coming back. They got to replace uh, some offensive linemen that are going to be gone for the draft. Lucas Niang's a, a highly regarded offensive lineman, but I still think that they can improve. And, and even as well as Baylor played last year, they still had to escape TCU with a triple overtime win. So there is some there is some hope and some optimism when you see a team like TCU that struggled this year with a freshman quarterback playing a team like Baylor that arguably was one of the top teams in the country so close. So I, I think as far as uh, Baylor goes, as long as they as long as they go like four and eight or or uh, two and ten this year, I think TCU fans will be extremely happy. <laughs> Jeremy Clark is joining us here on the show. Always great to have him on. Talk a little TCU. I mean, uh, you're right. I just happened to look it up and 
outside of the Iowa State loss, every other loss by a touchdown or less. I mean, that's uh, that's something that when you think about what's to come in 2020, hopefully a good sign for TCU fans. Where is Gary Patterson right now? You know, he's got the turnover, as as we've discussed. There's some turnover, new faces, old faces on the staff. Uh, he's got these two straight years of average football, at least by a record standpoint, which is not typically par for the course for him. How does he seem to be taking this whole thing, Jeremy? Because we know how how intense he is and, and how much he, he loves and needs to win. Well, you hit the nail on the head. He's intense. He's not very happy. Uh, he's he's always demanded uh, his teams to perform well, and they always have a set amount of goals prior to each, each season, and, and, and the main goal is to give your seniors the best year possible, and that's something that he doesn't feel like he's been able to do the past two years. Uh, even even with losses this year, you mentioned how close some of the losses were, but even even a loss to a crosstown rival like SMU, that's something that just burns inside of them, and, and that's something they're going to look forward to next year is trying to uh, get back on track as far as you know not taking any teams lightly and, and just really him focusing a lot of his efforts on defense, and that's something, as I mentioned earlier, he didn't get a chance to do with the offense struggling the way it was, and he had to kind of oversee that. So I think that's another reason why you know bringing in Jerry Kill was a very smart thing for him to do. But there's no uh, moral victories around TCU. He he looks at the the close games, and yeah, they they only went one and five in those games, but he he doesn't care. For him, it's just wins and losses. So as far as where he's at right now, he's probably getting a little bit more energy. I know he was extremely tired. You can go back and watch pretty much any post-game press conference after every loss, and the guy just looks so defeated and so tired. And I've been covering them since 05, and I I can't ever recall a year where he just looked that way after a game. Like he was truly working as hard as he could, but it just wasn't enough. So I think with these coaching changes and and, and additions of Jerry Kill, I I think that's going to help out tremendously. And They've got some good guys coming back on defense. They've got some good weapons coming back on offense. They're going to have to find some guys to to step up. But the schedule is going to be great this year. They only leave the state twice. They go to they go to Kansas and they go to West Virginia. So the schedule's setting up great for them. And wow, it, it it could be a it could be one of those great turnaround years. And, and as long as Gary Patterson's been the coach at TCU, I don't think they've ever gone three consecutive seasons where they've won less than seven games. So it's I know people predicted predicted last year that this would be the the year that they bounced back and obviously it wasn't. They they finished even worse, but I, I just can't foresee them with him roaming the sidelines still uh, being any worse than what they were last year. Jeremy, let's touch on the uh, basketball team for for a little bit. So, you know, they start off surprisingly well and things have kind of hit the skids as of late. Uh, but I would say still to this point in time, uh, Jamie Dixon's team has exceeded expectations. Uh, where is this program? Because, you know, they had a lot of transfers coming out of last season. It was a disappointing year. And I remember talking to Jamie Dixon at Big 12 Media Days, and he's just like, we had to kind of hit the reset button. Based on what we've seen thus far, do you feel like that reset button has been hit and that there is a future for this program to get back to playing some pretty good basketball, not just the rest of these this year, but, you know, the next couple of years? That's a very good question. I mean, and it, it, it's really tough to predict because if you look at where they were ranked in preseason 10th, uh, not a lot of people expected them to do very much. And they start the year really well. They they, they were 4-2, and two, but they've, they've lost a – the last few games, they, they got beat by Texas at home uh, recently, which I think was a, a pretty tough loss for them. But 
they go on the road and they play Baylor. So, and they played Baylor pretty tough for, for much of the game. And they just ended up losing late down the stretch. But you, you really just can't put a finger on where they're at right now. Um, there's not a lot of consistency. Uh, Desmond Bain, he'll, he'll go on these scoring runs where he'll score a lot of points, but it, pretty much ever since the Arkansas game, there's been a formula that teams have been using that pretty much eliminates him getting pretty good shots. And what I mean by they're not just, they're not even letting him really get the ball. And and every shot Desmond Bain has has been taken has been pretty tough shots for him. Now he makes he makes quite a few of them, but if Desmond Bain's not scoring, TCU's not winning. They just don't have a lot of offensive weapons besides him. I'm really pleased with the way Kevin Daniels playing. And I think the future's bright for him. Uh, you would like to see him stay another year, but if he ke- keeps continuing to play as well as he is, as far as scoring inside and getting rebounds, and he's gonna he's gonna start getting on the radar more more on on some of these NBA teams. But the the guys, as far as the youth goes, uh, PJ Fuller, Deontay Smith, uh, Francisco Farabello, they're all freshmen. They're all getting a lot of playing time right now. So I think they're kind of building for the future, but. I will say they, for now, they've kind of exceeded my expectations. I did not think there was a chance they were going to beat Texas Tech at home. Uh, Chris Beard's done a pretty good job against TCU pretty much the whole time Jamie Dixon's been the basketball coach, and, and there's always been fans wondering if what would happen if Chris Beard was the TCU coach. But I, I think Jamie Dixon has done a tremendous job. Basketball is actually interesting to go watch now at TCU, which – if you look four years ago before he got there, the fans weren't coming out. The, the Coliseum was really empty, and, and he's changed that. Mm-hmm. And students are excited to get out, get out there, and uh, they're competing in one of the toughest conferences in, in college basketball. The Big 12 is is really top to bottom, one of those conferences that you don't know what's going to happen each night when these, te- when these teams get out and play. So uh, for now, I would say uh, if, if they can somehow find out find a way just to win – four or five more games, they're going to get some NCAA mention talk. And you look back prior to the season with all these new guys and, and, and transfers and freshmen, there you would have thought there's no way that could have been a possibility. But he's got him playing right where, I, right where a lot of people kind of expected. I don't think anyone close to TCU thought they were the 10th worst team in the Big 12. But I, I think uh, there, there's some games that they probably should have won, like Texas and, and – uh, you know, you hopefully get them on the on the back end of the schedule and, and get some wins at some uh, away games for them. He's Jeremy Clark, publisher for HornFrogBlitz.com on the 247 Sports Network. Jeremy, thanks so much for the insight. Great having you on. Really appreciate the time. We'll do it again soon. Thanks so much, Peter. Enjoyed it. Jeremy Clark, awesome stuff. Thank you guys for listening. Please take a second, leave a rating, review, subscribe. I'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail. Just send me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. You guys are awesome. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon.